0: Narnia, 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 awake, love, think, speak, be walking trees, be talking beasts, be divine waters.
1: Welcome to the Chronicles of Podcast, where we are doing a chapter-by-chapter deep dive into the Chronicles of Narnia by C.S. Lewis. I'm Chase.
0: And I am Kel.
1: Thank you guys for joining us today. Just a reminder that we are talking about The Magician's Nephew, uh, but as always, a general spoiler warning for the whole Narnia series, as well as all the other stories we'd like to talk about. Uh, We're going to talk about stuff. Absolutely. And so we'll do our best to give spoiler warnings along the way uh, if if we get too far outside of the normal track, which we probably will, knowing us, but uh, today... We are discussing The Magician's Nephew, Chapter 9, The Founding of Narnia. Ooh. So, Kel, if you want to jump into a chapter summary for us, we can see Narnia get found.
0: Absolutely. Quote, unquote, the lion. Uh, <laughs> we'll see who that is at some point. But the lion is pacing about an empty land singing a new softer song and as he walks the valley begins to spring with grass and other plants at every step covering the land and Uncle Andrew uses this distraction to try to pickpocket Diggory unsuccessfully for the rings the witch yells for no one to get near them or she'll kill them classic witch response Uh, and because she doesn't want to be you know left alone there and everyone else to escape Uh, they get into an argument And Uncle Andrew expresses his frustrations uh, about himself uh, and about the witch's behavior. Uh, The cabbie cuts them off. Once again, trying to just listen to everything. He wants to be the voice of reason in all of this and just enjoy this beautifulness that is going on around him. And they now stood amongst full trees, flowering plants, and the horse was tearing away at new grass on the ground. Thank goodness. Someone is finally taking care of strawberry. Uh, All the while the lion continued to singing, walking to and fro, and Polly notices uh, with excitement that the new things spring forth with each note he sings. I wonder if that's related. Uh, As he gets closer and closer to the group, they grow a little bit more nervous, but when the witch steps forth and hurls the iron bar at the lion, strikes him straight between the eyes, and he is unfazed, just keeps on singing, doesn't even miss a beat. This is a true performer, ladies and gentlemen. At this, the witch shrieks and runs, disappearing out of sight, Uh, and Andrew tries to do the same, but trips over a branch, really displaying his athleticism here. Uh, But uh, with the, the, the children don't move, and the lion has paid no attention to them, still going on singing. The show must go on, uh, and Uncle Andrew demands that they leave. Diggory refuses, saying they want to see what happens, uh, and you know, Uncle Andrew was the one who was interested in seeing new worlds in the first place, but Andrew rants about all of the things that has gone on wrong with him and wishes that he had a gun, which probably wouldn't do much to the lion that was just struck with an iron bar between the eyes and was unfazed, but That's another topic for another time. The Uncle Andrew then begins to defend the witch's actions as if she didn't just try to murder worlds, Uh, but whatever, until they, they begin walking and they see that where the iron bar that was broken off of the lamppost, where it fell into the ground, it has now sprouted A tiny little beautiful version of a lamppost it's growing it's alive they say uh as if it you know coming to the life through magic and uncle andrew begins to think of all the potential opportunities that could come from this about how to make him rich diggory thinks that this could be an opportunity to uh heal his mother instead of thinking like the witch and you know being intern or internally focused and Uncle Andrew doesn't even want to think about that. He's just thinking about himself, and so Diggory decides to go to the lion for help. And as they they watch and see what the lion is going to do again, it's still singing, but the song has changed. It's wilder. It's more energetic. It's it's alive, you could say. Uh, and as he sang his song, the land begins to bubble and form different shapes, and animals begin to sprout out of it and do uh, just the things that animals do. Dogs are barking. And, Panthers are roaring, and bees are buzzing, and they begin to uh, swarm around, and they begin to follow the lion, and you can't hear the lion anymore because of all the shouts of animals, but you could see it. It's It's a beautiful presence, different than everything else, and the horse runs from behind them to join the other animals, and for the first time, the lion was silent, and he went to and fro from among the animals, and every now and then, he would go up to two of the animals and touch his nose to theirs. He would touch two of the beavers from among the beavers, two of the leopards from among the leopards. As he stood still and silent, all the creatures he touched stood in a circle around him and everything fell quiet. And as the lion stared at the chosen animals, something changed among them. The small ones like rabbits and moles grew a good deal larger. and The large ones like elephants grew a little bit smaller. How peculiar. The lion then opened his mouth and breathed on them. That's a bad way to get COVID. And somewhere there was another sound like music And a flash like fire seemed to come from the lion. And then in the deepest, wildest voice they'd ever heard, he said, Narnia, 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 awake, love, think, speak. Be walking trees, be talking beasts, be divine
1: waters. All right. So our theme for this chapter uh, is life. I mean, it is what springs forth throughout this chapter is this is the birth of a world and everything coming to life, uh, coming out of this song. Um, but yeah, I, I guess I'll start it off, us off with observations, but I just was so struck by the different songs the Lion sings in this chapter.
0: Like it's super each, neat.
1: Yeah. Each song that he's sung so far has a different style and a different result. Like the star song, uh, I took it to be that he was kind of singing a single note or a simpler tune, but then it was joined in by all the harmonies of the star notes and, and the note Built as the sun rose to full strength, like this, it kind of tracks along with what was happening. The plant song is softer, and as he sings different notes, different grasses and trees and flowers burst forth around him. Then he sings the animal song, and it's wilder and more energetic, like you said. And animals form from the ground, and like they're incubated in these bubbles of earth that just burst forth and reveal these fully formed creatures. I just love the way the tune changes with what he is creating, like softer for the vegetation, energy and wildness for the animals. Like, Lewis has created a coherent magical world. And again, instead of telling us how it works, he just shows us. And we immediately understand it as if we've always known that. Like, of course, mm-hmm. the animal song is wild. Of course. Of course. The, Of course, the starting song shines and harmonizes with the lights, like the magic of Lewis's writing is he says these wonderful, eccentric things, but they just ring with a truth that you don't have to be told it because... Kind of already knew, like right. uh, That just makes sense.
0: It's really beautiful writing because you see all this imagery, and generally, like good writers, you know, you hear this phrase: like good writers will make you like see the things that they're writing. You can picture it in your mind. You can almost hear this and and feel these things. Like he's he's putting so much imagery and detail. It's like you're attending a symphony, right? Where it's like, okay, he's the beautiful conductor. He's like, all right, strings winds words that was a little mermaid reference uh, if you missed it but he's creating all of these different aspects that blend into each other to create something that's really beautiful Uh, and it's really neat i love that aspect of this creation vibe that he's blending all these different sounds together that are different and taken separately are still probably beautiful and they still do this same thing but when you blend them all together it's this masterpiece and symphony
1: Yeah. No, for sure. It's, let's let's talk about the witch's attack.
0: Okay, real talk. The queen gives off some like real Miss Trunchbull vibes from Matilda, where it's like she was. You know, if you if you're unaware, Chase Miss Trunchbull. Uh, she's she reading the, it
1: on my face there.
0: <laughs> uh, I so if you've never seen Matilda, she's a she's the evil principal of this school, uh, and she was a Olympic shot put javelin hammer throw, uh, all these things. And she, at one point in the, in the movie, in the book, whatever the, like medium you prefer, she grabs a little girl by her pigtails, swings her around like a hammer toss and throws her across this like schoolyard. And then and she fly
1: saves. if she spins the girl fast enough. Uh,
0: the girl flies pretty significantly, but Matilda saves her with magic. And so it's good. Of but, course. uh, she just chunks an iron bar, like one, she threat, She first threatens Uncle Andrew for trying to sneak away again, which you'd already failed the first time. Why would you think it would work this time as he's trying to pickpocket unsuccessfully? And then she chucks the iron bar at the lion and just nothing.
1: Yeah. Everyone knows that you can't kill Simba. Um, yeah. Well,
0: not, you know, not with an iron bar.
1: Oh, uh, well, yeah. Not willingly. <laughs> But yeah the what's crazy is like so she like she's been beating up police officers with this iron bar she's been she's trying to take over the world with it uh like and she, it even says like you know she's not going to miss when she throws something so there's like some deadly accuracy here but yeah. yeah, the lion just doesn't even react. Like it's like a fly who tried to land on him. It's not a big deal. Don't even need to do anything about it. It just. I don't know if
0: happen. you've. Uh, I don't know if you've seen that old sports clip of Kobe Bryant and uh, the, there's a player who's trying to you know psych him out by you know throwing the ball like faking like he's going to throw the ball in Kobe's face. He's unfazed. Right. This is how I picture the lion. Uh, yes. And he's lion. just unmoved, or he's like, well, he's a true performer. He's got to keep singing. Absolutely. Right? There's a heckler in the crowd who's trying to get a rise out of him. And he's like, no, y'all have paid for this music and I will sing it for you. Right. He's a true, true performer, a true entertainer that will not let his crowd down. Yeah.
1: And then meanwhile, the witch is just terrified. Like she shrieks, she runs away. I just got like a very comical image of my, in my mind of just like, ah, then running. And then before (laughs) she's gone.
0: And thank goodness, we're probably never going to have to deal with her again.
1: Yeah. This is the last time we see Jadis, Queen of Charin, Queen of the World. Uh, there's, that's it. There's no it's, way. It's a wrap. Series there's wrap. There's no
0: way this comes back in nope. any other form. Not even in this book. Not I, in I'm this sure. book. Not in the next one, for sure. Nope. Um, She's a, uh So that's, yeah. Just real yeah. real shrieky, whiny vibes there. Which, to be fair, she just checked an iron bar at a lion. Yeah.
1: bold move. Which, like... It is interesting because before this, like we already knew that she knew that her magic couldn't hold up against the magic in this world, the magic that she sees that this lion has. But I really do think that she thought that her strength would do the trick where her magic wouldn't. Because like on Earth, her magic didn't work, right? She still unleashed terror on the streets, though, with her iron bar. Here she tries to do the same thing, but yeah, it's like a joke. It just doesn't even work. And I also want to point out, like, the lion, like uh, Aslan's restraint here.
0: Aslan's restraint.
1: He doesn't even respond to what is an assassination temp. Like he doesn't pause the song to address any of them. Like he has a purpose. He's the painter. He can't address the observers until the painting is complete, and so he's going to keep going.
0: He's got a better work to be doing right now. Absolutely, he's a, he's, he's focusing on the better thing. Uh, I love I love Aslan's response here. Um, I also love. The cabbie in this whole thing—we mentioned it last episode—but hashtag protect the cabbie chase. Gotta love uh, the cabbie; he's the man.
1: He's the uh, real uh, hero. Uncle,
0: Uncle Andrew unsuccessfully pickpockets uh, Diggory, which I, I go back and forth. Like I feel like personality-wise and like shadiness-wise, Uncle Andrew should be a good pickpocket, but he can't even pickpocket a child. Uh, so yeah. it, it really is just another—it's another shot where it's like, hey, you're shady, but you're not even good at being shady.
1: Yeah. Although we do got to give a shout out to both Diggory and Polly. They've got these rings in separate pockets these in this entire time. And neither of them loses one of them as far I as am. we're aware, which famously kids are really good at losing stuff. Like kids are notoriously terrible at actually holding on to the things that they're supposed to keep in their pockets. So terrible. yeah, bad luck for uncle Andrew, but like shout out to Polly and Diggory for uh, so, not yeah. being the worst.
0: Keeping it real, guys. But back to the cabbie, like they're arguing, they're having all this thing. And again, the cabbie is just like, yo, let me listen to this music. I don't know how many times I can tell you this. Uh, he, he says, oh, stow it, governor, do stow it. Watching and listening the thing at present, not talking, right? The cabbie is the man. He's such a G. Uh, guys, I'm trying to listen to my music. Shut up. You don't understand. Like, Mom, um, go away. The cabbie is just so legit. Uh, and I'm, I'm all for him. Uh, he is, and like later, as, you know, uh, Diggory and Uncle Andrew speak, Uncle Andrew's like, man, like, wish I had my gun. And he has now just witnessed the superhuman uh, strength of Jadis throw an iron bar, like a legit broken piece of metal hit this lion square in the head and it has done nothing he's like man i wish i had my gun you think a gun is gonna do anything in this situation like what gives you this impression
1: yeah and diggory does point that out he uh he's got uncle andrew's number for sure
0: yeah he's like it's just ridiculous but in this whole conversation about like what if we shot the lion and like killed the cabbie's like i don't even care about like any of this like I'm going to go and take care of Strawberry because he's a good man. He wants to take care of his horse. He wants yeah. to listen to some music. Let the man do his thing. Hashtag protect the cabbie. That's all I got to say yeah. about that.
1: Protect the cabbie. Uh, so moving to the lamppost. Here here it is. It's the famous Narnia lamppost. It, it's many right now. It's only three feet tall, but it's there. It's, getting there. it's lit. It's a... oh.
0: Wow. <laughs> we went for it. It was there. <laughs> it was a silver platter. You had to take it. I respect it.
1: Uh, it
0: is. Uh, man, yeah.
1: The it's super bar, cool. Yeah. Because if you remember, like, what, two, three chapters? Who knows at this point? It all runs together. But Jadis broke this lamppost back in London. And so now we just got a little baby one here in Narnia. And this is the famous Narnian lamppost. Like, this is the most famous landmark we have in Narnia it uh and it's crazy that this is what it's from is that it's an assassination attempt it's it's this act of violence that becomes our introduction to this whole world and yeah I just I think it's interesting because like this is the uh yeah, is this the default entry point to Narnia? Like the Lance. That's a great question.
0: It is for sure for the first two books. Um I don't think it is the default point because no, it's it, it can't be because later on we'll see them in like uh Voyage of the Dawn Shredder, they go straight onto a boat.
1: Yeah, Uh, but they also enter Narnia in a different way through that. Like they enter through the painting, and that's just like a direct call of as or direct call of the trump or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, It's not because, like this book, I I think every book they enter through the wardrobe or the rings, which are connected. Spoiler alert! Um,
0: I think every book they enter in a different way. If I remember correctly, some of them yeah. might be related where they're being called by Aslan or the like, but I believe they are, I believe they're called in different ways to Narnia or enter Narnia in different ways. Um, and then, uh, but I, do, I think though this is the, the most notable landmark, I don't believe that it is the like default, hey, like enter here, like you are here on the map kind of thing.
1: Yeah. That is interesting, though, because if that's the case, it's cool that you enter Narnia by the rings at the same point that you enter Narnia by the wardrobe, which Mm. grows out of the rings.
0: That's true. That is really cool. I like that. That's fun. Yeah, I've got a lot more about the lamppost later on in my further up and further in, and so I'm going to save save my thoughts on on that for a little bit, but it is just super cool. And yeah. this, this, this imagery is just really neat of this lamppost being broken off and now it's growing. Uh, or it's like, it's just a section of a lamppost uh, growing uh, out of this ground and creating something new. But when we see this happening, Uncle Andrew immediately turns into like, you know, capitalist, uh, like entrepreneur, billionaire watcher Ooh. here.
1: He turned, uh, where he's Tony Stark pre yeah, pre being captured and tortured.
0: Yeah, he's he's like, man, if I just broke off a bunch of sections of like like trains and like ships and all these things, I could grow a fleet. I could grow a navy. I could grow all of these things here and make millions. So more-
1: British, wanting to uh, grow warships.
0: See, we we don't grow them. We just we just make them. And we just uh we just own the world's largest navy, so it's whatever uh
1: would, would but, it be like a Thomas the Tank engine type situation of if you grow a train, it's got a face and has a personality?
0: I think that it does because as we see, uh the lamppost is quote unquote alive, and they are organic because they've joined in on the creation aspect of Narnia. so I think it's at least fair to say that anything grown from here would be you know, sim- somewhat alive. But his logic is also flawed here because this can only happen while Aslan is singing. Yeah. It's not like he can just plant a ship in the ground and grow another one. Like,
1: yeah. It's got to
0: be during this creation song.
1: Although, I mean, like everything else, Uncle Andrew is always working from partial information. He's, never, he's yeah. never actually got... He's not
0: a reliable source, as we've learned. Uh, he's not the guy that you should call on who wants to be a millionaire uh, for sure with your lifeline, but they see this and uh, they recognize Polly recognizes like, this is like, this is the same line of thought that the queen would have. Like it's just personal gain. Yeah. Uh, And then, you know, they, like he makes this one, one reference to, you know, there being like the land of youth. And we call back to the few chapters before when, it was only something from the land of youth that could save Diggory's mother. And Diggory is like, oh, my gosh, what if there's something here that could save my mom? And he's like, what are you talking about? No, I don't even care about that. I just want money. And he's like, I figured you should care because, you know, she's your sister and she's dying. Yeah, but
1: like, you'd think.
0: You'd think. You'd hope, but you'd, you'd realize it's just not going to work out that way.
1: It's and still so, Uncle Andrew.
0: It's still Uncle Andrew. And so Diggory's like, I'm fed up with this. You don't even care about my mom. I'm going to go talk to the lion, which like, granted, lion seems really cool right here. Like he's singing and creating all these things. Dude's still a lion. Like, yeah.
1: Yeah. There's some, uh, some reckless boldness there.
0: There's and, some uh, reckless boldness. And like, I, you know, granted It is the As- right call. It's the right call. And it is, it's Aslan. So it's like, maybe there's some kind of like pull from him. That's like he is a wild lion, but he's a good lion. Yeah. Where it's like maybe he can recognize that like there's a goodness from him, yeah. but also he's gonna go and ask this lion about like that he's never met. Yeah. He's never had any interaction. Hey, can you go save my mom?
1: And and famously, the phrase that you're rec- you're referencing there, he's not safe. He's like, not. That that's that's the whole whole deal. It's like he's good, but he's not safe. He's the king. Yeah. It's uh yeah,
0: we'll get to that because what a we, great we quote will that get it is. there.
1: It'll it that quote is probably like in every book through the series except for this one. But yeah, uh, so moving to when he does go over to the lion, the lion has is creating these animals, right? And I just think it's so interesting what he does with the animals that he just created. Like he picks mm-hmm. out the subset of the animals and the illustrations in the book make it look like Noah forgot to build the ark. Like they're <laughs> all like standing around him two in by pairs. two. Yeah. yeah. It, except for the horse, which is is in there. He's just by himself, lonely strawberry. Uh but yeah. And then Aslan breathes on them, some magic happens. It's crazy. Small ones grow, the large ones shrink and and those are the animals where at the end of the chapter, Aslan tells them to become talking beasts and spoiler alert. They do. If you haven't heard animals in Narnia can talk, uh, but what the this good, tells us, them. yeah, not all of them can only the ones that Aslan chose. And we don't know why he chose those animals. We are. That's really a whole
0: nother told... conversation. Chase. Yeah. We aren't
1: really told anything particular about them. They don't appear to be special until Aslan makes them special. is an interesting thing that stood out <laughs> another possible biblical illusion. If you want to go down that rabbit trail, uh, but yeah, we'll just,
0: just, just casually walk by that real quick. Yeah. Uh, but that is super neat. I love that. This idea of him choosing these animals giving them this ability to eventually speak and uh, and be you know thinking and and be intelligent creatures and um, it's interesting that he breathes on them and again this is another biblical illusion because uh we see you know in in the beginning like god is speaking life into existence uh and you know, if you've if you're familiar familiar with you know Christian theology, the Spirit, Holy Spirit, that is the uh, the the person of God that uh, gives life, uh, and the Spirit, the original uh, both Hebrew and Greek words for Spirit here give you a little bit of a seminary lesson. Uh, the ruach or pneuma both mean spirit, soul, or breath, life, right? And so He is breathing life and soul and spirit into these animals which is really neat uh it, there's Gotta a difference that, with, ruach. <laughs> that ruach, the numa. uh so it's like it, it's there, there's this difference between those who have been given this this breath of life this breath of spirit uh and soul than the animals who don't there's the the difference between the like the dumb beasts i think is they'll they'll be called eventually uh and the uh the smart intelligent talking animals. Um, there's this difference.
1: Yeah. And it's, uh, to, to not leave my, uh, my comments into a uh, potential argument in the Bible, God chooses the people for himself. Like the people of Israel is most notable. Um, and he says it's not because they were the strongest or the best, but because he chose to set them apart and have a purpose for them to be a blessing to the rest of the world and aslan does the same thing here with these animals he sets apart this particular group of animals and changes them to make them an essential part of the plan for the world that he's creating in this in this case and like yeah that becomes one of the most notable things about narnia is that some of the animals can talk and it's super cool
0: yeah and it's just, it's really neat. At the end of the chapter, you see this imagery, like you mentioned, of the animals two by two and two and two and two and, two, and one uh, of Strawberry surrounding Aslan and, you know, bowing to him and recognizing it. Like they are deferring to him. It's, it's cool that their immediate recognition of like, oh no, this dude's the, in charge. He's the king. He's the, he's the lion, right? This is the This is the one that we need to defer to when, like, yeah. even the, the humans' response to seeing him is, like, they are, they're in awe of him, for sure, but they don't know what to do with him. Jadis tries to kill him and then runs away because she's afraid of him. Uh, Uncle Andrew doesn't want to be in his presence. He makes him feel uncomfortable. Um, yeah. But there's this recognition from the subjects of Aslan that they are subjects, that they are deferring to this king. So yeah. I just think that's cool. Cause he doesn't jumble. even prompt them. To, he doesn't say bow down. They just do
1: it. Yeah. They just know for sure. Well, Kel, do you have any other thoughts before, uh, or things you want to point out before moving to our further up and further in for this chapter?
0: I do not. How about you kick us off?
1: Cool. Uh, well, the thing that I wanted to point out in my further up and further in is the foreshadowing from our failed assassination attempt. Um, spoiler alert this is not the only time the witch will try to kill aslan uh if you have read the lion the witch and the wardrobe you know this if you haven't again spoiler alerts coming but also like we'll be walking through the next book so hang tight uh but in that book the witch is building an army against aslan manipulating edmund one of the children nephew of uh degree in this book. And she ends up killing Aslan. But in that story, she's able to kill Aslan, not because she overpowers him, but because he gives himself up to her to save Edmund's life. And it's it's obvious here that the witch could never kill Aslan out of her own power. She can't even bruise him with an iron bar. So clearly, a knife and a table or a gun, it's not going to change that. And it's Aslan's mercy that allows her to kill him, just like it is Aslan's mercy and restraint in this chapter that lets her get away at all. And uh, as if, as you know, if you've read the stories before or seen the movies, that act of mercy and giving himself up is what leads Aslan to come back to life, win in the end anyways. And so for this further up and further in, I just wanted to point out the foreshadowing that comes from the witch's first attempt to kill Aslan and the clear power difference there and the way that Aslan's reaction or lack of reaction sets up the things about his character as we'll see it in this story. Yeah
0: yeah the 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 witch really needs to work on her her assassination skills like you'd think that for someone who's committed so much genocide that she would yeah this uh but man she she's She's got a bad uh she's got a bad batting average when facing Australia. Like yeah. she's she's really uh she's in a slump here.
1: I mean so. she really just needs to go find a dictionary and start working on what the words are going to be for uh for this new world.
0: <laughs> What's this deplorable world? Uh there's a deplorable world. That's a uh, it's a tough look for 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 the queenie. Um, so my further up and further in, as I mentioned earlier, is about the lamppost, right, and we see this lamppost uh, in this book and in *Line the Wish and the Wardrobe, the second book, um, and it's not mentioned throughout the other five books, however, its presence is greatly felt um, in the final book, uh, The Last Battle we will see uh, there's a territory called the Lantern Wastes, right? Uh, That at some point, uh, potentially, you know, something may have happened to the Lantern, or maybe this is just where the Lantern exists. Uh, And that's one of the
1: borders of Narnia, right?
0: I believe so, yes. Uh, It's the, yeah, I'm not going to try to uh, guess which direction, but it is one of the borders. Um, But it's this geographical uh, determinant uh, of, like, of the people in Narnia they recognize that this is a staple um but i i love this idea of the lamppost because this was an accident this was not part of the you know or like the process that aslan was doing but his magic his power is so overwhelming that an accidental piece of metal that gets lodged in uh begins to grow organically and i i love that it is organic right because this is like we've mentioned before late 1800s, early 1900s. This is an oil-powered lamppost, right? That's what it was broken off from. And if you are familiar, if you can at least take a guess, with an oil-powered lamp, you have to refill the oil, right? It's got to be something that you continually go in and light so that it can stay lit. This is an organic lamppost, and we'll see that in Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, that it stays lit constantly. It doesn't need a power source. It doesn't need refueling. Because it's alive, that Aslan's power is so strong and magical that it is created like a, like this is where it starts getting into some weird, uh, you know, like what are the implications of this? But a lamppost that is alive, that it doesn't need to be uh, maintained. It is self-sustaining light, which is just really cool.
1: Lumiere, yes.
0: It's Lumiere. <laughs> uh, but it's it's just really cool. That uh, this accident was able to be incorporated into something that would become such a staple in the world of Narnia. Uh, it's something that the Pevensey children will use as a marker to find their way home. It's something that uh, that will be constantly seen as something where it's like, hey, this light is constant right and I think there's you know something to say there about a light that cannot be put out uh, regardless of what happens to it, right? It's always there. Um, and it's just really cool. I, I love that, that aspect of
1: it. And so. Yeah, got some, uh, got some Maccabees vibes to that. Some, mm. uh, some lamp oil, not running out. Mm. But Man, although look at you
0: pulling a deep history cut.
1: Going into some, uh, some Deuteronomical apocryphal works. Um, got some big words. All Really. All I'm hearing is that we need to declare war on Narnia because they have an unending source of oil.
0: Uh, you know, you can try, but they do have a lion that's impervious to damage. And so they so, got
1: Hulk Lion, and then unlimited. I, I think it's still worth the shot. We can grow some warships. Hey, It'll be hey, cool.
0: I'll I'll let you try, man. Uh, I'm going to lead you to attacking Aslan. Cool, um, cool. 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 See how? Uh, tell me I how have, that pays off.
1: I am starting this uh, group called Hydra. I'd love for you to consider joining.
0: Uh, I've heard that when you take off one head, for example, potentially, you know, the queen's head, two will grow back in its place.
1: Yeah. That's our whole philosophy. I'm, I'm glad you're here. The information campaign is getting out.
0: Yeah. Uh, I've I've seen a lot of stuff about it on Facebook and Twitter from really reliable news sources. Um, so... <laughs> It's been good. But with all that, Chase, <laughs> we have come to the end. We are circled around Aslan, and he has just breathed some life into this podcast. Um, if you would like to also breathe some life into this podcast, please go like us, rate us, review us on all of the different uh, you know, places you can find podcasts, Spotify, Apple Music, the like. If you would like, please go to Apple Music, give us a five star rating. It really helps with uh, being able to find us and people from around the world being able to discover us. Uh, if you'd like to interact with us, go follow us on Instagram. Uh, try to keep you updated on when we're posting things what's coming up next uh, things like that we'd love to hear your comments and thoughts uh, if you'd like to hear anything else uh, hear us talk about something if you have questions regarding any of the uh, stories that we're going into please leave us a comment or a, send us a direct message on Instagram uh, but guys we love you and we're excited to finally be in Narnia it's officially been named at this point uh, and uh, we'll see you next time guys I That's probably good because we don't translate this
1: podcast. Yeah, definitely not. But uh,
0: if we would like to do a Spanish podcast, <laughs> we can make that happen, but it may be real choppy. Yo soy yeah. Chase E soy él E Bienvenidos al Chronicles of Podcast.